The only person with you all your life is you. Your parents die. Things inside you die. Illusions. Gushes of personality. Only you can sort yourself out. Yourself may not be all you need, but all you've got. So I really love that quote. Um, I, I'm like, it's very, just so wise. And it really applies to this song because the end, in the end, all the speaker has is himself. Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and this week we're going to be talking about a track from Kate Bush's second album, Lionheart. Wow. We think you're incredible You say we're fantastic But still we don't have the It is so unbelievable. And by the way, <laughs> I have a guest talking with me this week about this wonderful song, this very wow, unbelievable song. Go ahead and introduce yourself. All right. I'm Zoe P. Um, I have a last name, but I'm mysterious like Kate Bush. So you know how it is. Yeah. So um, I just call you Zoe P. So, yeah. So we're calling you Zoe P. Um, I am like, I don't want to be Brad braggy but i would say i might be her biggest fan on the planet um <laughs> and i i'm saying not that i'm not fancy braggy because i'm not proud of it like i am embarrassed by how obsessed i am like it is not <laughs> it i it's not something i'm proud of but um i am a huge i spoke on the introduction to lionheart episode mm-hmm. i'm a huge fan of this album because i think that it is so explicitly theatrical and hyper feminine and over the top, and then there's a lot of implicit queerness and flu- like the fluidity of identity that it just freaks this hell out of straight male music critics and has always been called her worst album. And in my queer opinion, it is not. No, it's so not. So I am here to rehabilitate Lionheart. And Wow is an interesting one to talk about because it oh, does yeah. get more acclaim than the other song mm-hmm. on the album. Like, People always be like, oh, yeah, wow, and then the rest of Lionheart, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, but wow is, it's a beautiful, amazing song. And, and, and like, and as you saw earlier, anytime anyone ever says the word wow, in my head, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> Yes, and I'm doing the I arm motions, too. <laughs> I know, right? I can't not do, like, if someone says wow, I will literally just, like, like, if I'm texting a friend, they say wow, I'll just write all caps unbelievable <laughs> like the ones the ones who get exactly. the reference which is very few but yeah but that's okay Th- those people will eventually get the reference because they'll hear from us and yeah. they'll go oh yeah that's exactly. that kate thing yeah
Yeah. So, story behind the song here. So, wow. Um, pretty much her biggest hit, really, from this album, because it reached number 14. Number 14. And it was the second and final single, and the first single, I believe, was Hammer Horror. Yes. Which is a fascinating choice for a first single. But oh, seriously. On the Hammer Horror episode. <laughs> like, yeah. This, that, is a very, I love, that is my favorite song on the album, but not a good single choice. Mm, pretty much. So this yeah. was included on her second album, and apparently was written before the kick inside and was actually considered for inclusion on the kick inside how do you feel about that how do you think that would have worked i don't know i have very strong opinions that the kick inside should not have had room for the life and i also i mean i'll get hate for this not a big fan of some heavy people either so she has some demos like for example frightened eyes i think is one of her best songs of all time like recorded and demos something so in terms of how this would have fit in the kick inside, I'm like, sure, put it in instead of room for the life of those heavy people, you yeah. know, like, but it would have been, I, but it works better on Lionheart because this album is more theatrical and this is the camp. This is her super, super campy album. This is yeah. the one for the gays. I say that mm-hmm. as a gay, um, <laughs> like this, this is the one, this is the album she made for us, even though she didn't mean to, whereas the kick inside is more about bodies. This is more about, atmosphere yeah and definitely like this was her attempt to write a pink floyd spacey song which i can kind of mm-hmm. see like i'm not terribly familiar with a ton of pink floyd other than the stuff that i hear on classic rock radio like when my parents yeah. had on. but mm-hmm. i can see that and especially like i love the synthesizer riff at the beginning because you know me yeah. being music nerd i like that it's it begins it's the whole song is in a minor which is one of my favorite music keys like there's this moodiness to a minor and it's actually an a9 chord that she's using so she's she's doing like an a minor a c e like you usually would but then she includes the ninth note of the a minor scale which is b and so mm. that riff is actually going that between those like going along that A9 chord and it, there's a little bit of tension because usually like in, in pop music, you got your, like your, your minor and your major chords and you don't like add extra notes to them, like seventh chords and stuff like that. Instead, she's using this, this chord and it feels like there's already a little bit of tension there, which is going to, which I think yeah. fits well for what the song is about, which is, you know, show business and, pretty much like this yeah the bs of it yeah <laughs> yeah you're the you're the person who knows that like you're the music nerd i'm like yes. a literary <laughs> citizen nerd That's interesting because, like, for me, as someone who's not a music nerd, I watched once fairly recently, actually, there was a video called, like, The Vocal Range of Kate Bush. And it, like, it, there's a few, there's actually a few, but what it does is it shows how, like, every chord that she hits in her, vo- in her voice or every, like, note, like, and she go she'll go from, like, 
one to a completely different other one within like two syllables. Yeah. Yeah. She's got a, she leaps around a lot in her songs. Like her voice is an instrument and she, she'll go from like A to G in like the span of 10 seconds with Mm -hmm. her, like vocally. And I I love that about this album so much and, and her early work and something on her early work too. She does it. I don't know if she does it as much in this song, but she does it a lot on all of the kick inside and lion heart and never forever. And the well, actually her whole career, she doesn't ever have backup singers. She only has herself. Mm-hmm. So what's yeah. really interesting is that the bat, like for example, on the more looks something like you from the kick inside, the background vocals are singing their whole other song. They're like yeah. doing their whole thing. <laughs> and you'll see also in Kashka from Baghdad, they do some, they're just, She's all her voice vocally is so all over the place that for a lot of critics they say, "Oh, she's just so all over the place. She's trying to find her voice. She doesn't know what she's doing." To me, I'm like, mm, "That is her voice." Yeah, you know, like guys. <laughs> that. You just it's just something that doesn't work for you because you like something more traditional. Yeah. We have not actually gotten to any of my top 10 favorite Kate songs. And this is a top 10. Yay. So I'm going to have a lot to say. This is going to be a really cool episode because like I have so much to say about this song (laughs) as I will with all the top 10. So this, yeah, I am so excited to talk about this song because we finally got into like, got into one of my absolute favorites. It's not to say that I don't like anything from the kick inside because I, I mean, I like most of the album except for, you know, room for the life. But this is a top yeah. 10. This is one of my absolute favorites. I've loved it since day one. I really have. Um, when I first listened to the whole story, because that was my first exposure to like listening to more than one Kate song at a time, and it's not all flashback alternatives, this mm-hmm. one stood out to me. Um, when I first watched the live version um, from Live at the Hammersmith Odeon, my mom, she, she kind of came in the room and she saw the routine, what she was doing in her singing, and my mom said, she kind of reminds me of Sarah Brightman. And yeah, well, and, she's so theatrical. Yeah, she is very she's very theatrical like Sarah and some of the high-pitched vocal is operatic, definitely yeah. yeah, it's kind of operatic like Sarah what she does. Mm-hmm. Um like many of the other songs on this album, it sounds like something from a musical. <laughs> Because uh, well, most of her songs do, period. Yeah, like because she's I using think. her voice to go up and down with the emotions of the singer, and that's a very mm-hmm. musical theater thing to do. Like when I when I took took voice lessons as a sixteen year old, we were singing a lot of musical theater songs, and the feel of them was very different from a pop song. And like totally, definitely, like I love the arm movements too. I know some people kind of poke on like, oh, hey, she's doing the arm thing. <laughs> I like it. It's it's good stretch. It really yes, it is. In fact, I'm doing it right now as I'm speaking. Like wee. But yeah, it's interesting because like what you were saying about like it could be a musical theater song. That's what makes her. So- I think all her. I think the majority of her songs are that way. They sound like self-contained stories of like something that would just happen. Like they only mm-hmm. make sense within the context of a story. Therefore, they're really more musical theater songs than pop songs and that's why i find it so interesting that her american fan base tends to be like more in the like i hate this word but like edgy side because i'm like (laughs) this is musical theater nerdiness you guys Mm -hmm. but like 
I mean, I loved musical theater as a kid. And it's like whenever I listen to any of her songs, it's like, yeah, this could be, this sounds like a moment a character is having at a certain point, as opposed to this is a pop song. Like, like let's say like Infant Kiss, like that is something that, from Never Forever, that's something that is like part of a character arc and not just a pop song. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I like that it, this is another one of her story songs. I mean, this whole album is like I mean, 17 stories. Are. Yeah, she's... I, mean, I, can, I can count the number on my hands of ones that like are in story songs. Like there's like a few on like the red shoes and that's like it. <laughs> For me, what's interesting about WOW and actually with pretty much all her songs is that when I first saw it was watching the music video, not the live yeah. version, but like the, the official music video. So the two are really inextricably linked for me. Mm-hmm. But I can't hear the song without watching the video in my head. And let's be honest, doing the dance in my head myself too. And if it's just been a few drinks in, doing it for real. Um, <laughs> and so like, so the first thing I thought when I saw this video and, and the other one is like, this is so ridiculous, but like, this is my kind of ridiculous because <laughs> she's so <laughs> earnest. It's not like Lady Gaga, who's just being, who's making like very, I respect Lady Gaga. I think she's very talented. She's making, she does make pretty average pop music and then just like has a weird image. Like with Kate, it's just like, she says so often that her dance routines are supposed to be manifestations of the meanings of the song. And I'm like, okay, like that is, like if these weird wild movements feel like the manifestation of the spirit of the song to you that is great and you are a freak and that's awesome um i like this like this routine as i i really think in this video if you watch the official music video she's basically a drag queen in it and i say that as a compliment like she is because like, you know, the whole Beyonce, I am Sasha Fierce thing, like how Beyonce says, like, I get on stage and become Sasha Fierce. Like Kate Bush was, again, another thing she started. She was like the original of that. She gets on stage, she performs and she becomes someone else entirely. And that someone else is completely campy. It's like, you can't even like, there are, I've seen some Kate Bush parodies, but you can't even really parody her because she is like a self parody. Like she is so over the top especially in the wow video with her facial expressions, you can't get more over the top than she already is. You can't parody it because it already is. And that's what camp is. And camp is queer. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the music video. So apparently there were two music videos out for this song. Cause there's, there's the one that you and I have seen with the routine. And then also like, but also I think was really interesting. There was this, uh, behind the scenes documentary for uh, musical chairs it was a bbc there, thing have you seen that, that video where they're showing like the behind the scenes of it yes and the reason why that was made is um well basically they were show they had the official music video and they had like when she had her in 1980 i want to say 1983 um video compilation um of like all her music videos up to that point came out and might have been 80, it was 83 or 84. I can't remember which one. And um, so on that one, they included instead of like the regular WOW official music video, they included like all the clips from the tour of life set to WOW. And apparently a big reason for that was because of the booty of the anal sex part. Um, oh. As we will explore later in mm-hmm. this episode, she has a line that is explicitly about anal sex. And if it wasn't clear enough, she pats her butt while singing it, and apparently that they were just like, no. 
That makes sense why there's two separate videos. Because that second video with where it's just clips of her on the tour of life. I mean, yay, it's neat to see her doing stuff live. But it's just it just feels like random clips thrown together. Like, Absolutely. Mm. And the video is just, and the original is just pure drag queen perfection. Mm-hmm. And I, I love like in, in that behind the scenes video when they were showing uh, like her, that she was going to be flying around a little bit. Like they mm-hmm. had her like raised up on, um, on wires. And so that when they got to the wow, wow, wow part that they turned on all the lights and had her doing mm-hmm. the arm movements. I thought that was, I wish that there was more footage of her doing her behind the scenes of her videos. Cause I yeah. like seeing, I also, yeah, kind of I love that behind the scenes video. I think if you look up on YouTube, it's called like musical chairs behind, mm-hmm. just like if you Google behind the scenes, wow video, you'll find yeah. it. But she, it's so great. Cause she's just like a 19 year old. Like you're just watching it and you're like, okay. Like in the video, she's as a full on drag queen, like high priestess of camp, like wild. And then she's just talking and like, smoking a cigarette and like mm-hmm. totally normal teenager and i yeah. love that contrast well and, and I, yeah and i I, yeah. I think that some of like like with that contrast you were talking about i mean she, growing up she went to a co- very conservative catholic school and then she would mm-hmm. come home and her parents would be like her, her brother would be writing erotic poetry and they oh, and, and so like they had she was already grew up with the like being able to kind of i guess almost compartmentalize some of her, her emotions and so i think that like that's why like she continued like she would go, like turn on as soon as the, the cameras are on she's doing this like wild theatrical stuff and then when the cameras are off she's like okay cool yeah i'm, I'm gonna go you know smoke my cigarette here you know <laughs> well well if it's a cigarette you know yeah if it is although i think in that video yeah it, it's in actually that video, one of the is, few yeah. instances where you actually see her smoking it's so funny too because she would smoke like apparently like a like a pack day or like well as you can tell from how she sounds now oh yeah because her um, voice is so deep and so i mean i mean, I would never guess in a million years if you said who is i would never know that was kate bush singing if like you compared but that's a whole other conversation yeah we'd like to tell you about a young man called keith mcmillan who makes video promotions for groups and singers We filmed him in the chilly surroundings of Wilton's Music Hall in the East End of London. Keith McMillan was working with Kate Bush. He's also worked with Blondie, David Essex, Abba and countless others. But he and Kate Bush get on particularly well together. When we arrived, Keith McMillan was stringing her up for a new sequence for Wow, her new single. Kate told us how they set to work inventing a new video promotion. Well, normally I I have a routine that I work out, like I sort of form a character, if you like, for that particular song. And then we'd always get together like a week before we film and just sit and chat. And he comes up with ideas and I do. And we just work together and he's he's just so inspiring. He's great. Okay, roll it, Brookie. I started in the business as a photographer and sleeve designer. Uh, I used to, from about 1968, I, I started, I used to photograph and design album sleeve covers. And I did that for seven or eight years. I got a bit fed up doing that because I'd done basically over a thousand by then. And I was just basically a little bored with it. And 
really thought that the, the up-and-coming thing was, was film and, and specifically videotape for the music business. So the lyrics of this song, like, I, I just, I love that, yeah, I know a lot of people probably kind of dismiss it like, oh, well, that's that song where she's just saying, wow, unbelievable in the chorus, eh, whatever. What I love is that the meaning changes throughout the song. Yeah. Yeah. Also with wow, something I went to point out earlier, which I didn't, is that she was notorious in the media and with friends. Like if you read Graham, the Graham Thompson biography mm-hmm. under the Ivy, they're constantly saying, wow. She always would say, wow, amazing. Like she was a stoned teenager and would just always be like, what? She like, so it was funny. I remember like there was some anecdote of like someone saying, oh yeah, that makes sense that she's the girl who sings that wow song. Cause she says, wow, every five minutes. <laughs> Maybe she's just really enthusiastic. I can relate to that. Cause I'm super enthusiastic. Yeah. But I, so she's just very endearing. And I just, I love how, like, like you, I see here in your, in your notes that like even the way she sings the word changes, like mm-hmm. she's going from the, the wow where she's on C there and then suddenly dipping an octave lower and then going back up. <laughs> yeah. At the very end, like after kind of the whole letdown where the protagonist or the person she's talking about learns that they'll never make the screen. They'll never be that movie queen. She goes, wow, wow, wow. You know, it's not just, it's not high anymore. It's also going down. I think that signifies a change in meaning. She she's kind of starting off the song like, whoa, I'm getting now into show business. This is so awesome. Yay. You know, I'm auditioning. And you know, I just really, really hope I get it. I hope I get it. And suddenly I'm thinking of a chorus line. <laughs> yeah. There's a line, a song about, you know, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. Like you've got this initial excitement though, oh wow, this is awesome and then you get to like the verse about oh he'll never make the Sweeney or be that movie queen. It's like, oh well I've tried I've worked my butt off and when the actor reaches his death, you know it's not real. He just He'll never make the sweet. 
guess things aren't quite working out. It's oh. interesting that a third person, though, too. It's like mm-hmm. she's speaking from a very omniscient point of view. And also in the video, I wish this could be like a video podcast. Just her vis- it's so, her mm-hmm. visuals are so tied to the songs. But in the video, I feel like the way, the facial expressions that she makes and the gestures she makes are commenting on the lyrics rather than acting out the lyrics, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, she'll like put, at, um, she'll put like the two kind of like like a gun to her head, like nervous to kind of signify what the character is going through. And you know she pats her butt on the he's too busy hitting the vaseline, wink wink, um, kind of thing, as a commentary as opposed to in other videos where she is actually playing the character. Like mm, here, she's almost this, this omniscient like third person perspective. It's it's like on her other songs she'll do she'll use first person and in, be embodying other characters but here she's just commenting on them and it's like who is this person who is commenting on them like the speaker is unclear and i'm thinking that it's it's third person and it's probably talking about just a guy a guy trying to break it into show business and that he he's trying his hardest and he's he's not even good enough to make this make a popular detective series of the 70s. because he's too busy hitting the Vaseline. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's sending up kind of... It's interesting because she has said about herself... She, I was just re-watching my favorite interview with her, which is Profiles in Rock from 1980. She's very stoned in the interview. And talk. She's like, death is the best thing that'll ever happen to you. It's so cute. But um, but she she talks about, like, she's like, I have a laziness that I try to overcome. So it's mm-hmm. interesting to see that kind of reflected here almost. Like, she's saying, like, they're trying, but there are humans, so they fail. I don't know. Um, like he's too busy hitting Vaseline for uh, those of you who do not are not in the know. That is a reference to receiving anal sex, and mm-hmm. the character is a male in the theater world, so probably from another male. Yep. Uh, so and so basically, to this guy is too busy um, getting it on to really devote himself to his career. Yeah. Um, and she's, and so that's also part of it. It's like self sabotage, too. Like mm-hmm. the industry is shallow, but so is the character. Yeah. And that's why after that, oh, yeah, you're amazing. We think you're really cool. We'd give you mm-hmm. a part, my love, but you'd have to play the fool. They're going, yeah, we, we think you're pretty cool, but, mm-hmm. well, um, you're and just. That, yeah. And that's the line where she puts the fake, the gun to her mm-hmm. head in the video using her fingers. How 
do you interpret that with her putting the gun to her head? I've thought about that a lot over the years. Um, I feel like it's kind of this, she's saying like, kind of, this is all you got industry death. But it's again, it's like her, she's not even saying like how the, she's not acting out the character. She's expressing kind of what it means. I don't, yeah. I've always thought that move was interesting and she doesn't do it in all of the live performances. Um, it just, I find this song really interesting because she's singing about show business. She's taught, she's said openly this is what it's about. But as we talked about kind of before we started this episode, she's really also sending up the bullshit of it. Mm-hmm. And the speaker, so the song starts, we're all alone on the stage tonight. And that's filled with possibility. It's we're all alone on stage. You know, it's like an audition. Something is coming, something exciting. Um, we're probably, we, we, we've been told we're not afraid of you. We know all our lines so well. We've said them so many times, time and time again, line and line again. It's like you're rehearsing for this audition. And then, oh, yeah, you're amazing. Those are the people you're auditioning for telling mm-hmm. you what they think. But still, you know, but still, even though they're told they're fantastic, they don't head the bill. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, you know, they don't make it they have to play the fool and it ends. We're all alone on the stage tonight. And so it mm-hmm. reminds me of this quote that she said at age like 20. And I'm like, how are you 20? And you're <laughs> saying the most profound thing I've ever read where she said, uh, this said this in 1978. Oh, so she wasn't 20. She was 19. And she said this at 19. The only person with you all your life is you. Your parents die. Things inside you die. Illusions. Gushes of personality. Only you can sort yourself out. Yourself may not be all you need, but all you've got. So I really love that quote. Um, I, I'm like, it's very, just so wise. And it really applies yeah. to the song because the end, in the end, all the speaker has is himself. There's all the bullshit and glamour of show business evaporates and you're all alone on the stage tonight. Mm-hmm. And also you've got another quote here too, that uh, it's, uh, I th- Uh, I guess this is from Kate as well. She says, the music industry is in such poor shape. It's in a really bad way. And a lot of people in the industry are very depressed. Yeah, she always, she was not. So she always says like, oh yeah, here we go. Here's a quote. She said, well, I don't go to parties very often or only if I'm invited or if I've got time or there's someone there I want to meet. Often I don't like the hype of the situation and that worries me a lot. Um, but there's a drag that it always has to be a poor situation. And some injury said, um, this, so one interviewer said, no party animal. The singer also enjoys asking friends around to dinner or maybe going to the theater with them. I love being with my friends, relaxing and talking, she says. Then Del, who was Del Palmer, her engineer mm-hmm. and boyfriend for 15 years, she says, at home, Del and I just potter about being ordinary Mr. and Mrs. Boring. We give cuddles and have rows, all that. So she, even though she's a music industry insider who was on top of the charts of Britain, she's also, she's also an outsider. And that yeah. comes across very strongly on WOW, I think, because she still sees the, it's still like this mysterious, glamorous thing, even though she's in it. Um, but she also is cynical towards it. And that mm-hmm. cynicism kind of seems to go hand in hand with her not wanting to be a part of the music scene. I mean, like we've alluded to her stonerness before, but when you think about that time period, Everyone was like on coke and doing much harder stuff. Like oh yeah, it's positively quaint. It's positively quaint that she had a weed habit, you know. Mm-hmm. So she just wanted to write her songs, 
put them out in the world and go home and watch movies. Like mm-hmm. she says in like every interview. And that I think that comes across in this song. Well, and she's always, especially like when you listen to some of, it's not just songs like these, but like we talked about earlier with Frightened Eyes and other mm-hmm. such songs where she's an observer. And I'm a fellow introvert and I mm-hmm. totally get it. Like, I mm-hmm. I feel like I love people watching. I like like with mm-hmm. Kate, like she, Kate has talked about how people are just fascinating and they're full of stories. I totally and get that. Inspiration, yeah. And like I love one of my favorite things to do. My husband and I is to just like people watch, and mm-hmm. especially yeah. in like particular, like if we're out at a concert, like it was really fun to people watch at the Tori Amos concert. <laughs> I bet I people watching at night. So Night of Thousand CDs is um a yearly. I clean Stevie Nicks party. That's the mm-hmm. best people watching. The best. And so, but yeah, like, but I, I totally get saying. like, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not a party girl either. I'm like, you know what, Kate? Pff, I totally get my favorite Saturday night is sitting at home, maybe reading, or I'll be playing a video game. <laughs> I'm not mm. out at the club, yo, or anything like that. <laughs> well, you and her get along. Mm-hmm. But also, like, since she, she's an observer, like, where we're talking about, like, the show business and the bullshit of it that like in the line when the actor reaches his death you know it's not for real he just holds his breath like that's like talk about the facades like people telling you oh yeah, yeah you're great oh honey yeah Artifice. yeah you'll have i'll call you i'll call you it's really awesome and then well, they never call you i also i also love that line in terms of the way she uses her voice as an instrument because when she does hold his breath she i can't do it myself oh yeah i but she yes. holds his breath. She 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 holds her breath along with the line, like throughout this, and also with when she says he always dies too soon. The way she says too soon, she he always dies too soon, too fast to save himself, and like the her, the tone of her voice dives into different notes when she's during that line. I like singers who, when you listen to them, you feel you believe that they they believe what they're saying. Like when, when you listen to Kate Bush, she seems a hundred percent invested in what she's saying. Like I love Dusty Springfield because even though she didn't write her own songs, and like Patsy Cline, those are two women who didn't write their own songs, but you hear them sing and you think like they believe every word they are saying and they are mm-hmm. feeling every feeling of it. And with Kate Bush, the way she uses her voice as an instrument to really bring out the meaning of the words in those examples and countless times is what makes her such an incredible vocalist, I think, and an incredible mm-hmm. artist. She's not just singing a song, she's living the song. And in the case of the breath line, she's breathing or not breathing the song. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cause she goes, he just holds his breath. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. fascinating. It really like is. She's, again, so literal. Like she has to literally hold her breath when she says that. She doesn't mm-hmm. like we're like, Kate, we get it. He's holding his breath. But but I love you. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of that dives too soon, too fast to save himself and never make the screen makes me think like, oh, this is somebody who's working is maybe working on his craft 
were trying to work on his craft and nobody's paying attention. They're just like, oh, yeah, that's just another dude. Like, whatever. He's just another showbiz dude <laughs> trying to make it. Yeah. Like all those people yeah, that moved to Los Angeles or something because, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to get in Hollywood. We're going to make it. And they end up waiting tables for the rest of their lives. Yeah. But she's so outside of a Hollywood context. Like when she's talking about the Sweeney, that's a British theater. Like mm-hmm. all of this is all. I just find it so interesting that she's in the music business, but she's really writing in this song exclusively about theater. And then for um, her to also include a reference to the Sweeney, like she's yeah. very British. One of the things I yeah, like oh about God. her is that she she's not like not like British some British singers who want to try and make it in America, so they try and flatten the way they sing so that they sound like you and me, or mm-hmm. something like they. She lets her Britishness come through. Like Sweeney, who, who in America is going to know about what the Sweeney is? Like, well, a- that's the theme of this. That comes back to this whole album. Sorry to hit you off. Like, oh, this no. whole album being called Lionheart is a British nationalist symbol. I mean, just this, everything about this is is so deeply British. And especially, mm-hmm. no, don't put your foot on the heart that comes after. But then there's Oh England, My Lionheart, which is like basically a British nationalist anthem. But like, yeah, I mean, she is, I think one thing that's so interesting about her, besides her bad Bob Marley attempts on Kite and also her <laughs> semi-reggae reggae, um, influence on them heavy people and her cover of Elton John's Rocket Man. I read a theory once, there's always people speculating, why didn't she make it in America? And I think it was, might have been in Under the Ivy where someone said, like, she basically never used any music forms that were traditionally American, such as mm-hmm. blues, R&B, you know, um, gospel. Like, you have the Rolling Stones and the, and the Beatles starting out making essentially black music. And Kate Bush doesn't. She's the whitest person ever. But... Mm-hmm. I appreciate that because I'm glad she's not appropriating cultures that aren't her own. Right. You know, like I, and this, but with, with these references, like she is so deeply British. Um, They, you know, with Deborah Withers and adventures in Kate Bush and theory calls her Britain's good daughter. So many articles I read about her in the press in British press call her our Kate. Um, She really, and they call her, you know, national treasure. So with all her references, are they're pretty much always British. Like even in a lot of her, like in the B-side, um, Empty Bullring, she like with Tamsin and something. She has like references. Oh, like Tamlin and her tower. Right. She has to, to, it's like a British folktale thing. And also in the Kick Inside title track, it's about, it's mm-hmm. a British folktale, Irish folktale. So she's always drawn from Celtic and British imagery and symbolism. Definitely. And that's something that makes her quite inaccessible to many Americans. I mean, I'm, I, ha- I am part British. So mm-hmm. That might be part of why she resonates with me. But, um, but there are plenty of Americans who aren't who feel the same way. So yeah. I-, I love that she doesn't try to do an American accent ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, she tries to do an Australian one on The Dreaming. But, <laughs> but she never different. tries to be something that she isn't. She's like, you know what? Y'all, this is who I am. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've kind of talked about the opening and closing lines of the song, how they kind of change meaning. Yeah, I, it, like, becomes, it goes from something promising to something sad. Yeah, you're kind of like, oh, well, I've, I've worked my butt off and, oh. Wait, I'm wait. still alone on the stage. <laughs> yeah. It even ends with, um, I mean, the, even the song itself, she does this little high part 
like the last thing you really hear is the echo of her voice and then Mm -hmm. a little bit of the piano and then it's just it's gone Yeah, it's like a ghostly with murmur out. Yeah. And speaking of like murmurs and things, so uh, Emily. So the song begins, yeah. it sounds who like she's saying, Emily. Emily. <laughs> yeah, so the song, for those of you who need a refresher, the song ends with like this, in a, for her, very deep. She goes, um, like, I guess she didn't know what she was saying for ages. Emily. But it turns out she's saying, Emily. So some people have speculated they're referring to Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights, but I really doubt. As, yeah. as a uh, PhD in Kate Bush studies, I really doubt that because I like she's never she's never self-referential in her work, so I really doubt that. So I I think who Emily is is always going to be it's just an unsolved mystery. Q. Robert Stack. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm with you, but it's weird. Unsolved yeah. mystery, or she could have just picked it like. Oak, it's it sounds cool, and maybe that was just the name that popped into her head. Very random. If I, you know, when I when I get to sit down with her and ask her about life, I'll, if I get three questions, I'll make sure one of them is who was Emily, <laughs> <laughs> and she'll probably her answer will probably be like my mother's answer when I ask her anything about college, which is I don't remember I was stoned. <laughs> that is true because she did like a lot of Mary Jane, but you know a lot of people. <laughs> We're doing stuff back then, and yeah, I don't judge. Like, stuff, eh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, she can. I'm just like Kate. You do you. Yeah, you just be you. But yeah, I know you want to talk to live performances too. I think it's so interesting that, like he said, when I wrote it, I didn't envisage, envisage performing it because yeah. the song itself is about performance. <laughs> yeah, the performance when it happened was an interpretation of the song of the words I'd already written. I first made up the visuals in a hotel room in New Zealand when I had half an hour to make up a routine and prepare for a TV show. I sat down and listened to the song through once, and the whirling seemed to fit the music. Um, I can see with the whirling, I don't, there's something to me about the rhythm of it that I I can see why she thought of like whirling, maybe like almost whirling dervishes in a way to reference a yeah. earlier song. Yeah. She's like, oh my, you wouldn't even really know that she's 20, what, okay, 19, 20 years old at this point. Cause she's got like, you were saying here, like, yeah. she really does look like a drag queen. After you said that when we were reading through the notes, I went and watched the video I'm going, you know, it's always right. <laughs> she does look like kind of like, like a drag queen. Sense, yeah, it's it's not that she looks like a drag queen. It's that the way that like her mannerisms and everything mm-hmm. are like it's like as if it, it's are very drag, mm-hmm. and that's what's so camp. And she's also within this song, she's using male pronouns. She's talking about the so she's talking about a world of show business that's occupied by men and discussing the men in those worlds 
And then she has the classic line um, that we've discussed. He'll never make the Sweeney be that movie queen. He's too busy hitting the Vaseline. Yep. In her routine, she pats her butt when she says he's too busy hitting the Vaseline. And in some performances, this was considered obscene. And I can't remember which one, because there's a bunch online, but there's one that it's from Top of the Pops, but it's not. And they add like the part when she says he's been the, the Vaseline line, she hits her butt. They like make the screen dark and like edit it out. <laughs> and so the fact that she's using male pronouns and literally hitting her butt in this song is to me showing this is a world of gay men that she's depicting. And mm-hmm. I think this is what like another reason that Lionheart is such a queer album oh, in a way that, that alienates the mainstream media, like music media press. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, but she's essentially, the visuals for the song are fascinating. As I said, she's essentially being as out of, like, over the top as possible. Like, like, like when I've shown this to friends, they're like, oh my God, she's drag queen. Uh, like, it's just so <laughs> deeply camp because, but she's so earnest and that mm-hmm. earnesty is camp. That's what the death by definition. So it's almost self-parody. Oh yeah. But it's, you know, it's like, it, I think in most, like when you watch the music video and also the app, the, um, Switzerland special. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, those actually might be like the most extreme of her performances in terms of like facial expressions and wild campiness, which oh, is yeah. really saying a lot. It's really saying a lot. Like, like her facial expressions are like, like the, maybe the most over the top she's ever been, which is a, a high bar. Oh yeah. Like, like I've, I think I mentioned this before during uh, the feel it episode that her, her face is so expressive. Yeah. Like she, she would is have been not, the most, af- yeah, she's not afraid to open her mouth and just like use the extremes of her face. It, it feels ve- it is very theatrical. It feels like something that would be done on a, in a stage show so that Absolutely. to make sure that the audience can see you. In fact, that's like. Like that a, is what she does, yeah. Like a William Shatner, for example. Like William Shatner gets made fun of because of his very stilted way of talking. <laughs> but that comes from his days in theater because you had to talk like that to make sure that people could understand what was going on. Yeah. And so I no, feel I, that's a similar thing with her her facial expressions. Oh, I'm with you. Like in this this performance is very well, if you will. <laughs> well, I think part of why she does that is exactly what you're saying. She has, she's been quoted numerous times early in her career saying, and she did this again before the dawn, if I perform, I'm going to give 110%. I'm not just going to sit there mm-hmm. and like sing. I'm going to give people a show. And to her, with her interest in theater, that means, as you said, like performing with gestures and facial expressions that have to be like, telegraph to the all the way back of the room you know like like a theater actor um and she to me like when i am a film buff and i always when i watch her videos think of what an amazing silent film actor she would have been like mm-hmm. Lula, like a lillian gish because oh definitely she's just so expressive um yes she would have been such a great silent film star i think born in the wrong era her inter- I think that's also what makes her such a gay icon and camp icon is that she is always performing like a theater performer as mm-hmm. if like she needs to show her emotions as if she's like performing for an audience of 10,000 and needs the people in the back to see when it's a music video. 
And so she performed it in Switzerland. And after that performance, the song shot up to number 14 in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, she performed it at the San, the San Remo Festival in Italy. Um, that mm-hmm. aired in February 1979. She's wearing that beautiful... I love her pur- the purple dress. I love to sew. Me too. And so I look at her stuff and I go, ooh, hmm. Mm. Well, I that's got that like ruching yeah. there and that's got some embroidery. And da, da, da. I love that dress. I know. And I suck because I know the wow routine, but I can't... When I do my Kate impersonation act, I can't really like... I've done it with the white... I With like my white Wuthering height dress, but like <laughs> I want the purple dress. So she was wearing this beautiful purple dress. It looks like it was the same dress as she was wearing for the tour of life. Oh, she wears the same things over and over. And that is one of the reasons I love her. Like she was photographed at like her fan convention in 1985 wearing something. I saw her, a picture of her wearing in 1978. Like I love it. And she does does the whirly arm choreography that she done before at the all the other festivals i don't i'm not and sure the if booty it was, pat. she did the booty pat. oh she performed this on top of the pops of course that was lip sync actually all of those were lip synced except for the tour yeah. of life one because she didn't have the because she had the microphone for tour of yeah. life no i love her tour of life because i mean mm-hmm. no like i just love that she's this 20 at that point she's 20 because tour of life's in the spring and i'm enough of a nerd to know her birthday july 30th so um she was 20 and she has these like two shirtless men like at her feet just like doing her bidding (laughs) i know (laughs) it's so badass i love it indeed um but i definitely prefer like the video version and the um the 1979 abba switzerland special version the best especially Um, having like the guys from abba introducing her too (laughs) and and the way they do and it's of course they have to talk about her looks they say whose voice is amazing, whose looks are amazing. Like just people, I think because now she's so has gained such prestige when rightfully so people, as I said, people forget that she was so deeply sexualized at that time. People really only saw her as a pair of boobs with a high voice. And now whose dancing is amazing and whose looks are amazing, whose voice is amazing. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it a tree? No, no, no. It's a bush. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Kate Bush. So, yeah, those are, I love, yeah, like, I'm with you, I like, I love the live performance from the tour of life. She doesn't, I mean, she doesn't tour the way that most other artists do. So I like seeing her do stuff actually live because she does it so infrequently and she hits it. Yeah. She's pitch per- perfect and everything. Like the fact that she was yeah. able to sing this song and pretty much everything from her first two albums, except for, Oh, to be in love and include some new songs. She sang a night after night mm-hmm. and she was pitch perfect every time is, and she has some hard songs to sing. Oh, she God. was able to do it is just, wow. Indeed. Unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you. 
video. Watch it. It is ridiculous. And it is a delight. And teach yourself all the moves. And after a few shots of liquid courage, you will find yourself doing them. <laughs> Indeed. I find myself doing them even when sober. <laughs> well, I used to, I used to have like a lot of back pain. So like I would do the arm swings. So I would just be like, I'm channeling Kate. Because <laughs> like that's supposed to be good for back pain. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Like this is the, the music video for this. So this is probably what now the fourth total music video that she'd even released in her career mm-hmm. and at this point mtv wasn't even around no no and in the musical chairs documentary where they talk about making the video it's neat to hear the the producers and the directors talking about like the future of music and how they thought mm-hmm. that the future of music was going to be listening to an album and then you have the visuals to go with it it didn't quite end up quite that way but it's you know an interesting like you thought that this I mean, was gonna happen in the future <laughs> i mean yet again an example of her doing things before everyone else that was um mm-hmm. like what like for like there's on her early videos there's a pattern of it's usually her against kind of a stark background doing an elaborate dance routine and like watch this music video for single ladies by beyonce what is it <laughs> her against the stark background doing an elaborate dance routine like kate really set a template um, mm-hmm. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the VMAs should never, like, why do the VMAs exist when the, when the best video of all time was released in 1980, with Babushka, 1981 Babushka, mm-hmm. uh, like, why, okay, why do you even need that? Like, she did everything before, like, MTV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fast, it's fascinating, like, she, like, this template of women artists kind of just doing a dance routine is something that she started. They weren't, they weren't doing it for I mean, you had girl groups who were kind of like swaying a little, but the whole like elaborate dance routine, she really started. Mm-hmm. And then Madonna took to a different level. Um, yeah. So Kate's level is more like, I mean, ridiculous, like lovably ridiculous, but ridiculous. So let's see, there actually aren't any really any, the only other version of this song is the single version, which just goes straight into the do 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 Like the opening synthesizer chords are cut out. I I don't like that. I like that the album version has those chords because it it reminds me of an orchestra warming up. It takes me back to like my band days. You know, we were always playing like, okay, we got to play this, this warm up chord here. Hey, (laughs) and it goes into the, you know, the theatricality of it and having, you have your live band while the musical and everything is going on. Mm -hmm. It was really just the single version that's where you have the opening synthesizer chords that are not there. And then there's the album version. And I mean, no demo versions to speak of. (laughs) Yeah. Which is interesting, because if it was written earlier, it's surprising there's not a demo version, since there is for a lot of her other songs that were written earlier. I did read that for, as far as like other versions, that apparently they went through miles and miles of tape recording her vocals on this song. Like wow, yeah. That they when they were came to recording oh, the vocals, it. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it was a very and it was unbelievable too. Yeah. Like. It took, they, they spent hours and hours just having her re-record 
vocals because she felt like every time she sang it that no there's just not something there even though everybody was everybody else in the control room they're going um kate it sounded amazing we're just going no it doesn't have that quite have that thing so they ended up splicing mm-hmm. together like hundreds of different takes of her doing this song yeah because she was just no it has to be i need to i want to capture that feeling and i don't feel like i've captured that feeling and mm-hmm. i would love to hear what some of those other takes are takes were but yeah that's probably not going to be leaking out anytime soon <laughs> yeah you know i would love to hear them too but i love in the um in the documentary about the tour of life which any fans should watch just google mm-hmm. uh kate bush tour of life documentary on youtube and you'll find it um like they show her re- rehearsing wow and it's it's really great to hear those sounds coming out of her mouth because mm-hmm. you never ever again get candid behind the scenes footage of her before rehearsing so no you yeah. don't yeah and i know she she likes to try and keep things very private and not show a lot of her kind of the more raw side but I like seeing that I like seeing how things are being made I like knowing that it didn't just randomly appear that there was work to be done on it mm-hmm. yeah so uh, I would say that this uh, I would say this episode is pretty uh, wow what do you think would you think it was unbelievable in WoW too? I'd say more like unbelievable. Or more like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but this song is amazing. Yes. Um, Lionheart. This song. Yeah. Again, a song that's, that's a lyric that's involved in the song. Um, it's wow, unbelievable, amazing. Just mm. like the person who created it. Um, thank you, Kate Bush, for existing. <laughs> I know. We love you, Kate. You're awesome. Yeah, and thank you for like for this and this this song is such a portal into Lionheart's very strange and theatrical and queer heart. You know, like, and I really appreciate that. Indeed, and thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on this episode with me. It was so awesome to talk to you. Yay! Oh, my pleasure. We gotta have more gays talking, Kate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. All so right. We'll wrap up, but thank you for having me. Yep, indeed. Thanks so much for being on the show. I look forward to talking to talking with you for some more Lionheart songs. You're welcome. If you have a favorite Kate Bush song that you would love to talk about on a future episode with me, please email me at kbcast at linkmedia.com. That's link with an E. You can also find me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Kate Bush Podcast. I want to hear from you. Remember, part of why I'm doing this podcast is to connect with other Kate fans and so we can nerd about Kate Bush because she's got a lot of stuff in all her different songs. So feel free to hit me up on those, email, Twitter, or Facebook. I would love to hear from you. And also, if you know something about this week's song that we didn't get to, 
we haven't already talked about. I'm going to do a retrospective episode from songs from the album after this season is done. So you can feel free to hit me up there. See everybody next week. Um, yeah. Well, and it didn't help those pictures that the first pictures that were sent out of her to everybody that plastered on the London buses. Oh, it's her. You can see her nipples and everything. So, well, it's hilarious with those because in interviews, she always says like, I didn't think those were sexual at all. I just thought that the look on my face conveyed a lot of emotion. Like she didn't, <laughs> she didn't even know she did not notice that her nipples were there. Mm-hmm. And we're all like, but she, I, there's this innocence. Well, there's not, she's very, she's deeply carnal in her lyrics, especially on the kick inside album, deeply mm-hmm. sexual. But um, but there also is this, like, naivete where she's like, I didn't think people would ever see me as a sex symbol because I thought they would be looking at the expression in my eyes and not at my nipples. Mm, no, that's not the way it works. <laughs> it's never the way it works. <laughs> For what it's worth, I care more about the expression in her eyes, but whatever. Yeah. But men, but the the men, the guy who interviewed her, who talked about masturbating to pictures of her right before talking to uh, her, for that he didn't care. That's just that's just you interviewing Kate Bush and you tell her, oh yeah, I used to jerk off to pictures of you. Like really? It was before. It was before. Like it was like a pre-taste thing. Oh okay. Like and then it goes into the interview. Yeah, I just oh. I, yeah. But still, uh, like you I, don't say still, that to somebody. Ooh. Anyway, he's on my wedding list. for those of you who are not kate bush has a song called the wedding list on her next album never forever where she has a list of people to kill so almost like kill bill but except i know the inspiration for that song was not kill bill but i think of kill bill every time i hear that song (laughs) well the inspiration for that song is the bride wore black which Kill Bill is a a hundred percent ripoff of and i'm happy to guess on that episode because i'm i know a lot about francois truffaut who directed the bride wore black Mm -hmm. um but so it is Kill Bill basically because Kill Bill is the bride wore black. Yeah. But and when like when I don't when, when someone pisses me off in my head I'm like I'll put you on the wedding list. And you'll get them and you will not miss. Hopefully. It's NFL draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.